So today we will begin a study in the Gospel of Matthew. So please go ahead and open your Bibles up there. Matthew chapter 1. Of course, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1. And we'll go ahead and we'll jump right on into verse 1. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, I want to pause right there because as we dive into this book of Matthew here, we're going to come upon a list of names right now. Um, names that I'm really not going to go over with you here in this study this morning. But what we have here is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. But it takes, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit more as we continue on, but you see, it go, it starts with the son of David, okay? And then it goes to the son of Abraham. What we have to realize is Jesus came as, one of the things that Jesus is in our lives is he is king, right? We know he's Lord of all. He is the king of kings. And here in Matthew, and for some reason, Matthew's taken us back to David on this. So we're looking at the kingship of Jesus Christ, because of course, David was a king. And again, I'm going to touch on this a little bit more, but I just kind of want to plant that in your minds right now. Now we know that Jesus was every bit a man, but every bit God in the flesh. Of course, we know that the gospel of John starts out with a description of Jesus being God in human form, right? God that became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But again, how, however, Matthew here teaches, of, teaches us of Jesus as a man on this earth, as a king, right? He is, Jesus is a human being like you and me. He had a genealogy in a certain sense, just like you and I do. However, we know that Jesus, being God in the flesh, like I said, he has come directly from God, which of course none of us can lay claim to. We all have an ancestry. We all have a dad and a grandfather and a great-grandfather and a great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather and on back, right? Now, Jesus had that genealogy in his life, but he came directly from God. And we'll, we'll look at that a little bit more as we go as well. And Matthew, starting again with David, then also mentioning Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he goes on from there, um, from verse 2 on through verse 16, and gives us this human line, this ancestry, if you will, of Jesus, this genealogy. But looking down now, skipping down now to verse 16, again, I'm not going to go over all those names with you here in this particular study, but looking down at verse 16, it says, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now, so this is a different Jacob. This is not Abraham, Isaac, that Jacob right? This is a different Jacob here who begot a son named Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, 
of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. So Jesus was born of Mary, born into the family of Joseph and Mary. Okay, so Jesus's last name is not Christ, but rather he is the Christ. The word Christ there means anointed. Jesus in the flesh was the chosen one, the the Messiah, the anointed one. Again, came from God. Yes, very much a man, but very much God with us. All the names mentioned here in chapter 1 are the descendants of Joseph, the earthly dad of Jesus, right? The baby, the child, the boy, the, the young man, but ultimately he was the son of God. Joseph would raise him up. Joseph would provide for him. Joseph would instruct him. But Jesus would ultimately grow up and be about his father's business, his heavenly father, right? And he would ultimately grow up to do the will of his father, his father God. Again, Joseph raised him, but ultimately he was the son of God. So this first chapter of this book details there by name, by list of names there, all those generations, right? So then it says in verse 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations, and from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. And then in verse 18, we begin to explore this earthly life of the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. And it says in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now when it says here, before they came together, this doesn't mean before they met. That's not what that's talking about here. What that's talking about is before they physically came together as man and woman, right, in an intimate way. Okay, and this was a big problem here because, first of all, why is this a big problem? Well, Mary's pregnant outside of wedlock, right? And, and Joseph was not this kind of guy. And Mary was not this kind of girl, right? To be with child, uh, you know, before marriage was not their way of life. As, of course, Mary is highly favored by God, chosen by God for, for the kind of woman that she was. She was a good, godly woman. And no godly woman, no, wom- no woman professing faith in God is going to find herself in this situation, right? Nor would a man of God that are truly following the word of God and being obedient to God. Okay, so again, this is a problem. But I want to touch here for a few minutes on the fact, like I said, that this is not the kind of woman that Mary was. Um, And I want to show you some things here. Go ahead and mark this page and um, turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Okay, so just Two books to the right of where you are now. We have Matthew, we have Mark, and then we have Luke. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. 
And here in Luke chapter 1, we're going to look down and we're going to start reading in verse 26. So Luke 1, 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, okay, of the house of David. Okay, so there's that genealogy that we saw in Matthew that leads back to David. Joseph's family leads back to King David. Okay, the virgin's name was Mary. Okay, so we see here, um, just as we saw in Matthew, that Mary was betrothed to Joseph already. Okay, that is, they were engaged, they were committed to one another for marriage. And first of all, we see about Mary here that she was a virgin. Okay, so again, a godly woman, uh, someone that uh, honors God with her life, with her body, okay, with, with all of her being. And we, see, we saw it in Matthew that it said that she was found with child before her and Joseph came together. So again, they were already espoused to one another. They were already betrothed, engaged to one another, right? But she was found with child. So though this did seem to be like a problem uh, from a godly human standpoint, again, uh, this is something that wouldn't ordinarily occur in the life of godly people, but we see this you know, from a human virtue problem standpoint, I mean, this is a problem. Um, but there really was no wrongdoing going on here between Joseph and Mary. There was something else happening, right? And what that was, was that God was intervening in the lives of Mary and Joseph. So in these verses here, the angel Gabriel is now speaking to Mary. And verse 28 continues, And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. So here we learn a little bit more about Mary, don't we? She was highly favored. Mary was a wonderful woman on this earth, recognized as being so by God himself, chosen by God to be the woman that would carry the Messiah in her womb and deliver him forth into the world. A young woman used by God Almighty, therefore a blessed young woman, a highly favored young woman, right? And she kept herself pure in the sight of God. And she kept herself available to be his servant, able to be used by God because of the way she lived her life, because of who she was. She kept herself available to be used by God in such a manner, right? But she never expected something like this to happen in her life, of course, right? Look at her reaction, verse 29. But when she saw him, that is right, the angel Gabriel, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. So again, Mary didn't expect anything like this, right? She's troubled. She's afraid right now. 
as Gabriel speaks to her. She was a humble woman who did not think too highly of herself, even though God thought highly of her, right? Because of her life. And she's completely astounded right now. Then the angel in verse 30, it says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. So this is how the Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, was conceived. Mary, a wonderful woman of God, having never been with any man, used by God, again, to carry and to bring forth the Messiah. Right? She's not the mother of God. She's the mother of Jesus Christ, the man, the man who came from God, the, the God who became flesh and dwelt among us. But this was the work of God inside of a woman. Okay, and un. A woman with, with no expectations for something like this to be done in her life. This was the work of God and God alone, right? Gabriel tells Mary in verse 32 what Jesus was to be on this earth. He said, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now, here we have the mention of David again. Back in verse 1, we see how Matthew, again, be, begins that genealogy of Jesus with the name David, right? Then he goes on to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But that can be rather strange, considering the fact that David is not the father of Abraham. In other words, this is not the order. This is not how it happened. And we saw that there were 14 generations past and 14 generations past and so on, right? But as we get down to verse 32 here, we see David's name come up again in Luke. Jesus was to sit on the throne of his ancestry, Father David. What does this mean? Well, verse 33 says, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So, as you know, the house of Jacob is the house of Israel. If you remember when we studied Genesis, Jacob's name was changed by God to Israel. You can find that in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 28. The name Israel means God prevails. Right? That is that, that God is above all else. That's what the name Israel means. God prevails. Right? All powerful. Above everything else. Jacob was a man that wanted God in his life above all else. Jacob sought after God. Even today on this earth, you can choose to be that kind of person. A person that wants God to prevail in your life more than you want anything else. King David was a man after God's own heart. What that means is that he wanted God to prevail in his life. He was seeking after God's heart. 
Did King David make mistakes? Did King David fall and trip up and all of that? Yes, he did. But in his heart, he was a, he was a man after God. He was seeking God with his life and seeking to do the will of God in his life. And you know, God promised King David that he would have a kingdom, that David would have a kingdom that would have no end, that would never end. So how does all this tie together here? Well, along comes the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, from the line of David, who will have a kingdom that will never end. But I want to show you something here. I want to talk about David for a minute. Go ahead and mark uh, this page. Um, Actually, I'm not sure I'm going to come back to Luke. But anyway, let's just go ahead and, and turn in your Bibles here to 2 Samuel chapter 7. All right, take a moment to find it. If you need to look up a page number in the index, go ahead and do so. But we're looking for 2 Samuel chapter 7. Here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, you'll see the words that the angel spoke to Mary that we just read in Luke, right? Are, you'll see, we'll see here that those words are a fulfillment of a promise that God made to King David. And that's what the angel Gabriel was telling Mary, right? So 2 Samuel 7 verse 1 says, Now it came to pass when the king, now this is speaking of King David here, right? When the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But, now here's that word, but, because this is what David's saying, and this is what Nathan's saying, but there's a but here. And that is, is that God doesn't agree with this. Right? But it happened that night that after the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord. Okay, so in other words, David's saying what he's saying. I'm dwelling, and you, you can't really fault David in a sense, right? He's saying, Hey, look at how good I've got it. Look how wonderful it is. But God dwells in tents. God dwells in curtains, right? Because they're, they, they, they think this is where God is, as if they can contain God, as if they can control God. And many religions do that today, think that they can put God in a certain place. Yes, God did move in their lives in a certain way. Yes, God did do certain things. So again, you really can't fault David but God's just going to set David's thinking straight here. Again, verse 5, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Whenever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, 
Have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? So God's saying, Have I ever said this? This is this not about what you're doing, David. This is about what I'm doing. Okay. Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. So again, God's stating everything that he has done, right? David's saying, I'm going to build this house. I need to build a house for God, right? Verse 10, moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. Okay, so this is what the angel Gabriel is talking about to Mary. Okay, God says to David, no, 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 you're not making me anything. I'm going to make you a house. Okay? There's going to be a kingdom. It goes on here, verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your father, so after he's dead, right? I will set up your seed after you and will come, uh, who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Do you see here who this is talking about? Yeah, do you see this? It's talking about Jesus. Again, this is what the angel Gabriel was telling Mary was being fulfilled. Verse 13, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you and your house. Okay, speaking to David here, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. So again, this is why Matthew puts David in the genealogy of Jesus Christ because Jesus was going to have an eternal kingdom Right? Just like David had a kingdom. And, and here we see that God promised David a kingdom that would last. After he died, someone would come after him. Your seed, right? He, Jesus, he will be king. He will be the eternal king. So that's why we call Jesus the king of kings. He is the eternal king. You see, on this earth, men make decisions. Governments and rulers make all kinds of decisions. But there's none above God. And there's nothing happening that's outside of God's control or ability, right? Yeah, man makes all kinds of foolish decisions. Man makes evil rulings and makes evil laws, wicked laws, right? 
that, that do all kinds of wicked things, all kinds of things that are anti-God in our world today. But there is a King of kings. There is a Lord of lords, and it is Jesus Christ. And ultimately, He is coming again, and He will reign forever and ever. Of His kingdom, there will be no end. Jesus came from God by the will of God. Not from man by the will of man. Jesus was conceived in the womb of a virgin. Neither Mary nor Joseph had anything to do with it. Right? Mary again was used by God, right? To be the one. But neither Mary nor Joseph had anything to do with this. God was bringing forth his son through this woman. Right? Born of a woman, just like you and I, so that he could come to this earth and redeem us from our sins. Right? So God was bringing forth his son again that would establish an eternal kingdom. A kingdom that you and I and all the people of the world, if they so choose, can enter into that kingdom by faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And as, you know, through the gospel going forth, Jesus, of course, came once, one time, once and for all. He, he, he lived, he died one time, once and for all. He rose again. He's coming again, okay? But he came for his people Israel. And the gospel went to them first. And when Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the gospel, he told them to go to the house of Israel, not to the Gentiles. He told them to go to the house of Israel. And if you're listening and, and you don't know the difference between a Jew and a Gentile, well, it's very simple. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Okay? So Jesus came and, and the gospel went to them first. But ultimately, as we read through the New Testament, we see that God, that Jesus had a plan that the gospel would go to the Gentile as well. So as we flip back now, go ahead. We are going to go back to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 again. Mary is a bit confused. As you can expect, right? How can this be? Right? And that's what Mary's going to say down in verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I do not know a man. So, legitimate question from Mary. How can this be? Now, of course, in the English language, right, we use the word know like we see here. You see how it says, Mary says, I do not know a man. Well, in our English language, we use that word know in a very convoluted way, I guess you could say, right? Um, you know, Mary knew a, knew a man. Of course we know that she knew a man from the head knowledge standpoint. She probably knew many men, right? Had a familiarity with them, right? From a head knowledge standpoint. But what she's saying here is that she's never intimately knew a man. Hence the reason, reason that she was a virgin. Again, the English language doesn't do the word no here the proper justice. In Spanish, 
uh, you would have the words conocer and saber, right? And those words make a distinction uh, in the different ways that you can know something. In the Spanish language, they, they do have that. And the Greek word here is the word genosco, right? Genosco, which speaks of intimacy. That's, that's why I'm saying this. This is what Mary's saying. She's saying, I've never intimately known a man, right? Verse 35, and the angel answered her and said to her, so angels telling her, hey, this is how it's going to happen, right? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So that's how Mary became pregnant. The Holy Spirit did this work, right, in Mary, right? So he's the Son of God. Now, verse 36. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. Now, Mary wasn't old, but Elizabeth was. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Okay, so Elizabeth is now six months pregnant. Okay, so you can say that John the Baptist, who, is, who will be Elizabeth's child, was six months older around there than Jesus Christ was in the flesh. Okay, but it says that she was once called barren. In other words, she couldn't have children, but in her old age, she did. And, and he says there in verse 20, uh, 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. So it wasn't impossible for God to make this old woman have this child, just like we saw in the story of Abraham and Sarah, right? Verse 38, then Mary said, Mary said behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So there again, we see the type of woman that Mary was. She said, here I am. Behold, look at me. Here I am. Do what you will. Whatever God's will is, that is what will be done. She didn't think about herself. She didn't think about her upcoming wedding. She didn't say, oh no, this is going to ruin everything for me. I'm going to be pregnant. This can't be. This is going to ruin everything for me. It wasn't all about Mary. Again, this is the type of woman that she was. Humble, obedient, highly favored, pure, and blessed. Then as we flip back now to Matthew chapter 1, and we pick it up in verse 19. So Matthew 1.19, and hopefully you marked that page. Verse 19 says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So again, right, not only was Mary this excellent woman, but Joseph was an excellent man. He was just. That is, he was a man of integrity. He was a man of honor. He didn't understand what was going on. 
But he knew that women just didn't get pregnant for no reason at all. They didn't, he knew how women got pregnant, right? But you know what he did here? He took some time to think about it. He didn't act in an irrational manner, which also speaks of the type of man he was, right? And why do I say he took some time to think about it? Well, verse 20 tells us. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So there we see again that Jesus would be the Christ, the anointed one, the one that would save his people and ultimately all people from their sins. That is all that will call on him. That is all that will come to him by faith, right? Because you see, it is our sin that separates us from a holy God. Jesus came to be our Redeemer. The book, this book, right, the book of Matthew, is all about his life. And that's what we'll be studying about, the life of Jesus Christ. Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So Matthew was quoting here from the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 7. And verse 14, where it says, it says in Isaiah chapter uh, 7 and verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So it is truly amazing that God drew near to us, right? He came to us so that we can know Him. He loved us that much, so much so that He Himself, the eternal, everlasting, all-knowing, all-powerful God of all creation, walked upon His creation to ultimately sacrifice, sacrifice Himself in order to redeem us, His creation. Remember that you and I are created in the image of God, right? In the image of God, mankind was created. And He did not leave us to die in our sin. Instead, He provided a final way out, one way out. We can read through the Old Testament and see how time and time again, He gave His people Israel a chance time and time again. But now there's just one way and one way only. There's no other name given under heaven today whereby a person can be saved. It's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Right? And we are about to learn more of this Jesus Christ as we continue to go through the book of Matthew. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her 
until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. All right. So God with us. That's what Emmanuel means, by the way. I didn't mention that, but Emmanuel means God with us. So again, Mary, this wonderful godly woman, became the wife of Joseph, this wonderful godly man. They put, you know, um, they put intimately knowing one another off until Jesus was born, till the Son of God was born. They didn't know one another in that intimate way until Jesus, after Jesus was born. And after that, Mary and Joseph would go on to have other children together. As we know from the book of Mark, you know, Jesus had younger half-brothers and half-sisters, right? Mary did not remain a perpetual virgin. She went on to have other children with her husband, Joseph. So today, this is a short study of Matthew chapter 1. If it be the Lord's will and he tarries and we meet again, we will study chapter 2 on that day. But I will close this morning with this, right? Mary, the mother of Jesus, the baby, the child, Jesus, the young man, right? A good mother, a good woman of God. Today... We honor mothers, right? Uh, It's Mother's Day. A good mother makes many sacrifices for her children. Mary, though a wonderful woman of God, chosen specifically by God for a wonderful purpose, was put in a very tough, very awkward position in life, if we look at it from her personal standpoint. But what did she do? She surrendered herself to the will of God. She uttered some amazing words to the angel Gabriel when she said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Like I mentioned earlier. In other words, she's saying, Here I am, God. Look upon me and use me as you see fit. And Mary, though not to be worshipped, and not to be prayed to, is still an example of a woman that is to be highly esteemed. Her character put her in a position to be used by God. She's a great example of a woman on this earth, a great example of a mother on this earth, someone that sacrificed everything for the will of God. Mostly all women, I say mostly because I know not all women can have children, right? And can be, but most women become, can become mothers. But it takes someone a little more special, right, to be that good mother, right? They are the ones that sacrifice when no one else will. They do the dirty work with no applause. They humble themselves, though they should be honored and exalted for all that they do. Not just one day a year. Children should honor their mother and their father, right, in the Lord, right? If you have a godly mother, a godly father, he should be honored. Not everyone deserves honor, 
You know, many people can, can look on the lives of people that are fathers, people that are mothers here on this earth and say, that man, that woman really doesn't deserve much honor, right? But we're speaking of what a godly mother is. We're speaking of what a godly woman is as we see the life of Mary here. You know, and you know, in reality, there's not too much that I can do from a pulpit position like this to honor you mothers that are here, you mothers that are listening. I can encourage you to stay the course in Christ just like I do with anyone else, just like I do on any given Sunday as we study the Word of God. I encourage everyone to stay the course, right? I can exhort you to commit your heart completely to the Lord God as we see in our example Mary today. But to honor a mother that is not my own is something that I would fall very short of, you know, what is deserved. But if you have a mom on the earth today, let her know your love for her in a way that is from your heart. Because all mothers love that kind of honor, right? And all good mothers should be appreciated. So happy Mother's Day to all of you moms and all you moms listening via the internet. May God bless your day and your time with your family. Again, the next time we gather, Lord willing, we'll take a look on into Matthew chapter 2. But let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Father, that you have given us your word, you have given us your spirit. Your Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor, the one who will lead and guide us through this life if we will commit our ways to you and surrender our hearts and our minds to you in every way. God, we pray your will to be done in our hearts and minds, your will to be done in our lives. The words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, what we look at with our eyes, what we hear with our ears, the choices that we make, Lord, may it be acceptable in your sight. God, may we choose to be godly men and godly women as we see with this example of Joseph and Mary. And God, you are able to work in and through that man and through that woman that is willing to yield themselves to you, Lord. So I pray that we, Lord, here and everyone listening will come to that point in their lives where they will yield their lives entirely to you and to your will. Not to a religion, not to a church, but to you as king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. It's easy, Lord, for one to profess with their mouth, oh, yes, I believe in, in Jesus. I believe he is the Savior. But the question is, is Jesus our Lord? That's the question that we must ask ourselves. Do, do you, Lord, lead and guide every step of our lives, Lord? I pray that that would be the case, Lord, for all of us. For us here and again for those that listen via the Internet. Lord, your will to be done in our lives, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, we thank you, God, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.